Good morning. Something important going on today? I have kids. I have a eight-month-old, a four-year-old, and a seven-year-old. So if you're new and you have kids here, I've visited churches. I know what it's like. You ever looked at those kids with the mall and they got the leash and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so tempted. (laughs) If your kid's running or starting to scream in here, it's okay. We just want you to be comfortable. Um, There is classrooms in the back. Uh, There's an escape room for moms with babies with the television back there too. Don't feel bad. Take your kids where they need to be. We're just so excited that you're here. And this morning we are going to be in Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. And let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much that regardless of what we see, what we know, what we experience, you are true. And that you're moving here this morning. And I pray that you would give us those eyes to see that. Lord, almost every morning I, I pray on Sundays that you would open our eyes to see and open our ears to hear your message this morning. And it almost gets repetitive if it weren't so necessary. We do pray that you would open our eyes and our ears to see, to cut out the distractions that come with the holiday, that comes with family, that comes with a meal prep and a potluck, Lord. Cut out the distractions and just to sit at your feet for the next 45 minutes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I don't know if you guys have been living under a rock or not, but today we are celebrating the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he came out of the tomb. Every religious leader on the planet is dead and in a grave somewhere except for Jesus Christ. Now, this may be your first time visiting here. This may be your first Resurrection Sunday, and you have no expectations. You're just eyes open. I have what is going on. Who lit this kid up here with the suit to teach the Bible? I thought there was going to be a pastor here. It's strange enough that they're on the second floor. It's strange enough they're next in between a movie and a bar. And here I am, sitting in the chair, just eyes wide open, ready to run. Where are my exits? I understand. See, when we have Resurrection Sunday, some people call it Easter, people have this perception, this expectation. Maybe it's chocolate eggs. Maybe it's coloring dye. Maybe it's those hideous colors that they've chosen for Easter. Now, that's just my opinion. Maybe it's a ham. Maybe it's a lamb. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's being alone. You have expectations. You have a perception of how things are going to be, what you think it's going to look like. You assume when you get here that you're going to hear a certain message. You have set that expectation. When I think of uh, Easter Sunday, I don't care for the bunny. I don't care for the eggs. Obviously, I think of the Lord. I think of church. But I think of some non-spiritual things that I'm reminded of, like the worst candy invented in the history of man, peeps. Okay, maybe second to the Tootsie Roll. I don't know why they invented that either. And I start to think about the Walmart aisle, full of bright, colorful garbage that somehow makes it into my house. But why do I think those things? I use what's called perception. The definition of perception is an awareness of the elements of environment through physical through the physical, 
For example, color perception. It's a physical sensation interpreted in the light of experience. Boy, that sounds pretty academic. What does it mean? It means you use your five senses. You hear, you see, you taste, you touch, you experience things, you perceive what's going on around you. And you perceive those things through your senses and through your experiences. Maybe this is your first time ever in a church. You don't know what to expect. But many of us here have been to a lot of churches, and we have, through our perception and our past experiences, an expectation for how it's going to look, how it's going to smell, how it's going to sound, what the message is going to be about, what's a good message versus a bad message, what's an Easter Sunday service, what's not an Easter Sunday service, how is the pastor supposed to act, how is he supposed to dress, what is he supposed to say. What's his age supposed to be? How many letters are supposed to be behind his name? Does he have a PhD? Does he have a degree? Does he have a theological degree in divinity from a prestigious school? Whatever it may be. Maybe all you're thinking of is I have to get this service over so I can eat and get my kids home and enjoy the rest of my day. I'm a pastor, I think that sometimes. That's the flesh. Either way, regardless of your background, regardless of your perception, regardless of your experiences, you are developing an expectation, a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. For example, reality had not lived up to expectations. I don't care who you are. I don't care how spiritual you are. When you leave and drive out of here, there's two things you're talking about. What are we going to eat? Was that a good service or a bad service? I go to other churches, I do the same thing. I say, well, I really didn't like the past, and I'm even worse, because I'm like a play-by-play commentator, you know, when they bring the former NFL star on, and he starts critiquing. You know, I really don't like their three-point stance, and they really should have done a left-wing gazebo alpha omega play on that. That's how I am. After a service, I didn't like his tone of voice. really didn't like his illustration. He did an excellent job, expositionally speaking, with verse 3, but I didn't like it with verse 4. And then I really knew he went off on a tangent towards the end. And you know who I'm the biggest critic of? Myself. Why? Because I have a set perception of the events that I filter through my experiences that set an expectation. And you're thinking, what does this have to do with Jesus coming back from the grave? I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Let's look at some synonyms, though, for the word expectation, because it's so important in our lives. Your level of frustration in your life is the separation between your expectation and the reality. The closer those two are together, the less frustrations you have. When you have the family over to Easter dinner tonight, or nobody. You have a set expectation of how it's going to do. If you're married and you're a lady here, it's unrealistic. It doesn't exist. If it's a guy, you probably don't have any expectations except survival. (laughs) Nonetheless, you have set a level of expectation, but then the reality hits. And at the end of the day tonight, when you put your head on the pillow, are you going to be frustrated at the day's events? Are you going to be upset because they didn't meet your expectation of the reality? 
Or are you going to lower your expectations? Are you going to re- increase your level of perception of reality? Where are you setting it at? What decisions are you making right now? They're going to change your Christian walk, your life. Or are you simply reacting to the events that you see, hear, and understand? Some synonyms for expectation are supposition, assumption, presumption, conjecture, surmise, calculation, prediction, hope. Hope. I find that fascinating. We're going to look at two men, and we're going to look at their walk. It's called the men on the road to Emmaus. But the way we're going to look at it is through their perception. What have they seen? What have they heard? What have they experienced? How does that change their background and their life? How do they filter the events of the cross not knowing what's going to happen? Not knowing what has happened. We're going to try and walk in their sandals. And then we're going to relate it to our walk here this morning. You see, we look at the resurrection story and we already know what happens. I had a joke with a, one of my friends at work. He's a non-believer, knows I'm a pastor. He goes, oh, what are you going to teach this weekend? I go, well, the good news is the plot is the same every year. He didn't think it was as funny as I did. It must be a Christian joke. <laughs> I go, oh, come to church and find out. No, thank you. We know what's going to happen. We forget sometimes. They had no idea. They had no idea. I've been to quite a few funerals. I've never seen anyone come back from the grave. The same thing is true of everybody that was there. Every single person that they had ever known died and went into a grave, and that was it. And that was their expectation because that was their perception based on the results and experiences of the past of what was going to happen in the future. Let's dig in, shall we? Verses 13 through 14. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. You got the two guys in their sandals. They got a seven-mile journey to get back home. Some of you have to drive home. Some of you are here on vacation. You have a long journey ahead of you. And you have what? An expectation of how that drive is going to be. And these guys are planning their trip. They got their sack lunches. They've got their sandals on. They've begun to walk. They've begun to head home. And what are they expecting? Nothing. A lot of things have just happened. These are disciples of the Lord. They have been following the Lord. They listened to his teachings and his studies. They watched him get crucified, or they ran away as he was crucified. Nonetheless, they have filtered all of the information through their senses. They have analyzed it with their experiences, and they set their day with a seven-mile journey home, trying to figure out what has happened. You here this morning, How is your walk with the Lord? Many of you, if not all of you, are disciples of the Lord. And what are your experiences? I can guarantee to a man that nobody expected to see the Lord Jesus Christ here physically this morning. 
Did you? I don't. I don't expect that. In fact, I have never seen the Lord. There's a special blessing in the Scripture for those of us that follow Him but have never seen Him. But my senses have experienced the Spirit of God, the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the grace of God, but I have never physically touched the Lord. I have never seen the Lord. I have never audibly heard the Lord speak to me. He's impressed upon my heart through the Holy Spirit and through the Word. And through the word. These two men have touched him, seen him, heard him, smelt him, ate with him. They know him, and he's dead. And now they're walking home. Let's see what happens. I'm going to read quite a bit here in verses 15 through 24. So it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? I can almost see a smirk on the Lord's face as he says that. But I'm inferring. So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, Today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and a certain woman of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen visions of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. They know of Jesus. Their hope is in Jesus. They're walking with Jesus. They don't even know it. Because their perception, their senses have been blinded by the Lord himself. He doesn't allow them to know it. They're walking with the stranger and they're sad. Is the truth of the resurrection... At that time, the truth, yes. Do they think that Jesus is alive? No. Is Jesus literally, physically walking with them on this road? Yes. Do they think that's the truth? Far from it. They don't know. They don't see him. They don't feel him. They don't touch him. They don't experience him. Even though he is speaking, think about this now. Seven-mile journey, walking with their sandals, very, very sad, heard of the crucifixion. Now the body's been robbed. They're going home. Their expectation 
the reality, it's been dashed. It's been broken to pieces. You ever had that happen in your life? If you're alive, you have. You think something's going great. You think something is awesome. You get laid off. You get fired. You get into an accident. You get sick. Your car breaks down. You have no money. You, have, you lost your job. Somebody has had an affair on you, cheated on you, broken promises. You think you're pregnant, and you're not. You perceive events going one way, and then it's completely dashed, completely shattered. But what do we do? We focus on what we know, what we see, what we hear, what we experience, what we know, and we filter it through our past, our past experiences. And then we build up an expectation of how we think something should be. We trust our senses more than we trust the Word of God. Ponder on that for a moment. We trust our senses and our experiences more than the Word of God. Emphasis on the Word of God. Your senses, your perception, your expectation omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing, conquered death and the devil, God. Yeah, but I trust this more. Huh? But I'm no different. I'm the same as you. Why are we like that? Because we only perceive the world through our senses, through our experiences, even though the Scripture tells you right now that if you are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, he is alive and living in you. That where two or more are gathered, He is in the midst. He's here. He's walking with us. He's speaking to us through the Word. I don't see Him. I don't smell Him. I don't touch Him. I don't feel Him other than the Holy Spirit coming alive in my heart. Here you have Jesus literally speaking to these guys. They have no idea. I want you to think for a minute. If it's possible that they didn't know the Lord was with them, but the Lord was, is it possible that the Lord is with us and we don't see him and we don't know him? I asked you earlier, did you expect to literally see the Lord here this morning? No, you didn't. Neither do I. But we have to make a decision, and I'm cutting ahead in the sermon. We have to make a decision right now as we go through these events and we see them, are we going to trust the Word of God? Or are we going to trust ourselves? They are blinded. They are limited. And yet they are experiencing the fullness of a walk with Jesus. Let's keep reading the Lord's reaction. Then he said to them, Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, I am selfish, greedy, and the second I read this, I thought, Lord, why couldn't we have that on tape? How come we don't have a CD of this study? We wouldn't need another study in the history of mankind. Just to hear you ex expositionally teaching, let me put a little plug here, teaching through the Bible. 
He shows them how Jesus was going to die and come back to life on the third day for the sins of all mankind. That whosoever believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then the Lord kind of spacked me around a little bit and he goes, what do you think that book is that you're reading? Genesis through Revelation. The volume of the book speaks of him. And he is teaching us through his word. Slow in heart to believe, Jesus says to them. Slow in heart to believe. What does that mean? Critical. Not seeing. Not hearing. You're in the sandals. You're taking the journey. You're a disciple of Jesus. When no one else believed in him, you did. The crucifixion came. Your master was killed. His body is gone. You're broken. You're hurt. You're frustrated. You don't know what's going to happen. You're looking for Jesus. You expected him to be, but now you don't. Remember perception. Remember experience and eyes. They're walking with the Lord. The Lord's literally right there. The answer to all their problems. Oh, you guys are hard-hearted. You guys are so silly, so foolish. Didn't he say the comfort of our Lord that even when we are ignorant, even when we don't see, when we don't perceive, when we don't have the right expectations, he's walking with us and teaching us and guiding us and directing us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. My perception and my background and my experiences tell me that is not true. That anything good in your life, you're going to lose it. It's going to be gone. It's going to hurt you or run away. That's what my background, I can have a rough background, teaches me. The reality of God's word is, he will never leave me nor forsake me. That he has filled me with the Holy Spirit of promise. That he has given me spiritual gifts. That he has given me the word of God. That he has transformed me and made me a new creation. I don't look new. I, I don't feel new. I... Sounds like hocus pocus to me. But I have to decide, as you have to decide, am I going to trust the word of God, historical, archaeological, prophetic, scientific evidences that support that this is true, or am I going to trust my senses? Now think about your senses for a moment. They don't see everything. Your eyes cannot see ultraviolet light. They cannot see infrared. You have to have another instrument for you to see those things. I cannot hear a dog whistle. A dog sure can. Because my ears cannot hear at a certain frequency. I'm even more deaf than most of you. I have something called tinnitus from working in heavy equipment and death metal at large, large volumes back in the day. So I can't even hear people whispering. So I know what limited senses are all about. Some of us here have had eye surgery. I see a lot of glasses. I know there's some hearing aids. Some of us can't smell or can't taste properly. I can't smell anything. But my wife's like, what's that? Something stinks in here. It's probably just me, hon. Go back to bed. But we trust these little instruments of ours over the reality of God, over his word. 
over the truth. Jesus is literally right where they can reach out and touch him. They just don't believe it. They're just too critical, too sad, too hurt. The realities have just been too dashed. There are Christians here this morning that need to come out of the tomb. You're hurt. You're broken. You've been hurt by churches. You've been hurt by people, Christians. You've been hurt by things that have had in the, ba- in the background. And so your expectation is it's never going to be good. It's always going to be like that. You need to come out of the tomb. His mercies are new every day, every morning. One of my favorite Old Testament scriptures is he will take what the canker worm has eaten and restore it like new. He proved it with his own body. That person that's walking with these two guys was on a cross three days ago, was in a grave two days ago. And now he's talking to them. And he continues to share with them. Verses 28 through 31. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far fent. They've been walking all day. And he went in to stay with them. And now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he broke, that he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. By the time their senses realizes what is actually happening, what has happened, he's gone. No longer to be experienced. What you have this morning, in 2018, listen, this is 2018. Because there are many of you that have been Christian for a long time, and you are hurt. And you're living back in 1997. You're living back in 2007. You're living back in 2017. Something happened to you. Something hurt you. Something broke you. Your expectation, your perception that you set up was totally dashed, was totally broken, and you're living back there. And you perceive everything through those events. That's gone. We're here right now walking. If you're around me for any length of time, I will ask things like, how's your walk? How's your relationship with the Lord right now? Right now. Today. The reason I get a little upset is because I'm a part of what's called the Calvary Chapel movement. And sometimes, not always, the, the, the Word of God is continuing to be taught. There are powerful things happening in the Calvary Chapel movement. But we continue mistakenly to look at the past like it's never going to be like that again. I'm not worried about the past. I was not there in 1969 and 1970. There was a fresh move of God's Spirit back then. I want a fresh work of God today, and I don't want to wait till we realize that, that He's gone. I want to experience Jesus today even if my perception will not allow me to. Even though my events and my critical-natured spirit tells me that Jesus is not in this room, the Bible tells me that Jesus is in this room and He's speaking to us through the Word of God and through His Spirit. 
any more than there could be ultraviolet and infrared and high-frequency entities working in here. We couldn't see them. We wouldn't know it. I wouldn't experience it. I can, as an individual, as a human being, I can trust my flesh and my history and my experiences, or I can trust the Word of God. And I can live today because the tomb is empty. He is not on the cross. He is at the right hand of the Father on high. He is making intercession for the saints. Not yesterday, saints. Not a millennium ago, saints. Today. He is working for us today. Will this pastor just be quiet? I need to go eat my ham sandwiches. I've heard this all before. Maybe you have. But I say to you the words of Jesus, foolish and hardened in your hearts. I don't want to be these guys. We look at them and we go, oh my gosh, that's so awesome. No, I want Jesus today and I don't want to wait till he's gone and he vanishes to realize, oh, that was him? What? Because now all they have is a memory. My Christian walk, I refuse to allow my Christian walk to be a memory of things past. I'm going to walk with Jesus today. What does he have for me today? Right here at the empty tomb with his Holy Spirit working in me now. Because I don't want to miss out because of what I've lost, what is gone, what no longer what no longer exists. So now I ask you, what is your expectation for today? What are you perceiving now? Are your eyes opened? Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Is the Word of God writing on your heart? Or are you thinking about an hour from now? Are you thinking about next week? Or are you thinking about last month or 10 years ago? Jesus has a fresh word for you right now. And it's yours. So what happens to these guys in verse 32 through 35? And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while, we talk, while he talked with us on the road? And while he opened the scriptures to us? And so they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven. And those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told them, they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. The eleven weren't there. Stop worrying about the 11. Stop worrying about your pastor 10 years ago, about the apostles five years ago, about the church you went to go to. The Lord spent three years with the 11, with the 12 of you count Jesus. And now it was time for these two men on the road to Emmaus. And his work continues. Today is your day. You are new. You are born again. He is your Lord, not somebody else's. You need to experience it. You need to let him forgive your sins. You need to let him take that baggage of yours, of all those past experiences and things that are limiting your look, your walk, your talk with the Lord. And stop living 10 years ago and live in 2018. Because these guys, they ran back to Jerusalem. I bet that was the fastest seven miles they ever ran. They didn't start that morning thinking that, did they? You didn't start this morning thinking that you were going to have a message like this. 
you're like, okay, Easter service. He comes out of the grave. We talk about the two ladies, sweet potluck. I'm only going to eat a little bit because I have a better dinner later. And the family's going to be together. Everyone's going to be amazing. Or they're going to start a fist fight because Uncle Johnny's going to be there. That's where we solve all our family problems, right? When we're all together and filled with alcohol. I pray it's not your home. It won't be mine. But now something has changed. I pray that something has changed. I pray that your heart is burning within you. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you and telling you, something's different. Something's new. Something I didn't expect. Something that's not going to be filtered through my past. That's not going to be filtered through my perception. There is a supernatural work of God that is happening in my heart. I'm either going to believe it and take it, or I'm just going to be hardened. And I'm just going to sit back, and it's going to be another Sunday. It's up to you. I'm going to trust the Word. The Word of God says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. It says, All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. It says in verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. But this is how you're going to apply it this morning. It's in Romans chapter 6. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We are on the road to Emmaus. We are walking with the Lord. And you can walk with the Lord this morning with newness of life because He has promised it. He has given it. It is yours. Will you take it? Will you believe Him? Will you walk with Him even though you don't perceive Him? As I walk with the Lord today in newness of life, I have taught a lot of Easter services. I have been to even more. I can critique them. I can analyze them. I can look at the time. Oh, he was two minutes over. He's not a pro. And in the midst of that, I can lose sight of the most important thing. Are you going to have an experience with Jesus today or not? I say yes, because he has promised it to me, and I'm going to live in his promises, not the promises that I make to myself, which are usually negative. So today, let's walk with the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you fill us all afresh with your spirit. We know you are here and moving in us. We know you're teaching and that you're doing this work. I pray for forgiveness for those of us that need forgiveness. I know that there are memories and hurt feelings and things that we've just been clinging to in our past. We want to lay our heavy burdens down at the cross right now, supernaturally, because we want new life. You conquered the grave. You can conquer our history, Lord. I want to perceive things through your eyes. I want to smell things through your senses. I want to touch things that you have touched. I want to know what you want us to know, and I want to walk in the fullness thereof, Lord, and I pray that we would all experience that this morning. And if there's someone here that doesn't know you, Lord, 
and they feel that burning, and they want to accept you as Lord, that they would simply repeat this prayer silently in their own heart. Father, forgive me, for I am a sinner. I know that you died and rose again for my sin. I give you my life and proclaim you as Lord. Please fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. And for those of us that do know you, Lord, and are walking with you, boy, you went down to the basement with some of us, Lord. We're hurting a little bit, but we're comforted. I pray that your spirit would reveal to us the things that we need work on and also the things that we need encouragement on. I thank you that all of your promises are yes and amen. In Jesus' name, amen.